Hey, it's Brian here. Thank you so much for tuning into the Go Be More podcast. At Go Be More, our mission is simple. We want you to chase your dreams. Our apparel is designed to be a constant reminder of your commitment. And this podcast aims to give you the motivation and mindset to get started and keep going. In this episode, John and I address the coming election in the United States, but not in the way you might expect. 2020 has been a tough, stressful year, and this election practically guarantees that 50% of Americans are going to be very upset. My fear is that due to neither side being willing or able to concede, the results will drag on and the stress and anxiety will simply amplify. But stressful situations are nothing new. Elite athletes, special forces members, business leaders, and performers enter these situations all the time. So we should be able to use the tools they use to navigate our stress. There's one approach that I'm particularly interested in called neutral thinking. It was coined by Trevor Moad, who works with elite athletes and individuals to perfect their mental game. In this podcast, we break it down, explain its main components, and offer some simple strategies for implementing it right now. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and if you get something out of it, please email me at brian at gobimore.co to let me know. That's brian with a y at gobimore.co. All right, on to the episode. Hey, John. Brian. What's up, man? Nothing much. It's been a while since we did a conversation pod. You know, it feels like the first time we did an episode, our first podcast recording, because it's so awkward. We haven't done one in a while where it's just us, man. I know. It feels it's it's good. We've talked about doing it off and on. We've switched to doing a lot of interviews. I love doing the interviews. I don't really, I don't regret the decision, except I do want to have these podcasts where it's just us talking about a topic or a theme or something in some way, I want to find a way to integrate it back in because I really enjoy these. And honestly, I, I've actually gotten good feedback over the last month or so from different people who've commented on these particular types of episodes that we haven't done in a while. I just need to do more of these for our friend Mason because I don't prepare enough for these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just want to make him laugh, you know, when I'm surprised by your questions. <laughs> and uh, I, I enjoy coming in and just taking these conversations all over the place and somehow still navigating with your help back to making a point that um, <laughs> usually helps our audience out with whatever it is that we're trying to navigate as far as the topic. So, and today's topic's great. I have a lot of political aspirations, not necessarily in the traditional sense, but really in the untraditional sense. I just want to get more involved as I get older. And, and obviously I think like most people, we're sick of what we're seeing. And, and I just think that the only real way to change anything is to be the change that you want to see. So I'm like, well, the only way to do anything like that is to get involved. And today we're going to talk about what's coming up, you know, in the next couple of weeks here for America. I know you're in Japan, but you're an American and, yeah. you know, it affects your friends, your family. It affects you, obviously. And I'm excited to talk about this particular topic of, I believe you said it's neutral thinking. Yeah, the topic is neutral thinking. And it's an idea that I've learned uh, and been reading about and, and following, I guess, in some sense, diving into over the last uh, month or two. And it, it comes out of a sports consultant, a, a mental coach for, for a lot of elite athletes and elite programs. His name is Trevor Moad. And he's written a book called It Takes What It Takes. And he works and primarily he's a partner with Russell Wilson, the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, who is one of the best quarterbacks in, in uh, football and, and puts a lot of effort into the mental side of sports. And as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, I mean, that's what I'm particularly interested in is the, the mental aspect of how we solve problems and how we overcome obstacles and how we achieve what we want to achieve. And, and so this, you know, this, this concept resonates a lot with me it, in part because I found it to be a framework where a lot of the things I've adopted for myself as my personal strategies fit very well into this. I just didn't have it all maybe thought through the way this framework might kind of package it together. You know, I, I was yeah. already sort of doing some of it and then some others, maybe I wasn't. But more than that, the thing that I, I think is really important and I want to set the stage for why I really want to do this podcast now, because I've been thinking about it for a while, but the election is coming up on Tuesday in America. And the climate in America is, let's just say, very high, highly 
stress. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of frustration from it's, it's compounded by everything else that's going on. The coronavirus, the fires in the West coast, the lockdowns and how they're affecting particular people, people doing, having their students taking classes on zoom and, and trying <laughs> to balance their lives. And, you know, all these things are going on, making it high stress. And then you've got a Supreme court confirmations that are controversial. You've got the debates where, you know, Trump might say something that triggers all everybody on the left and Biden hmm. might say something that triggers everybody on the right. And everybody's just high strung. And the thing about all this is that, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that Tuesday anything is going to change. In fact, I think there's a very high likelihood that after Tuesday, it will get even worse. And the reason I say that is I just don't predict that we will have an answer to who is president on Tuesday. I think there's much more likelihood that the election will be too close. It will be neither neither party will concede. And we'll start going through this process of drawn out, you know, counting votes and doing all this stuff. And, and what's going to happen if that's correct, is the stress level is going to just increase. So and I should say, even if one side does win, what that ultimately means is that the other side is going to be high stress, because now they have to deal with an outcome that they really didn't want. And and what does that mean? And they're going to go through a, a, a really period of, you know, I just use the word the high stress to keep it really, it's going to be very volatile, emotional, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for whatever side loses. And if nobody wins and nobody and nobody's conceded, everybody's going to be feeling that way, because the outcome is now going to be feel so much more uncertain and so much more extreme. Yeah, and I think that the thing that's really interesting to me about the idea of neutral thinking is because it's so easy to get up or to get down or to be up and down about mm -hmm. something that doesn't work out the way that you want it to. It actually puts you in a position to, I think, honestly, step back and see things a little bit more objectively, because this idea of neutral thinking really almost paints the picture of like, well, what's really good or what's really bad. It is yeah. what it is. Things are just what they are. And it's how you're interpreting it that's making it good or bad. Because you could literally take something like losing your keys and being late for work as a good thing because you didn't have to go to a meeting that you didn't want to be a part of. Yeah, I suppose you know? so, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, you're stressed out because you're late, but you're kind of like, well, I'm kind of glad I was late because I didn't have to be in that meeting that was super boring and a waste of time. You know, and actually I got to end up getting that Starbucks coffee that I wanted anyway. So, <laughs> uh, so I didn't have to rush past Starbucks to get to work on time for that meeting that I didn't want to be a part of. But I mean, like in general, I just feel like it's too easy to just call something good or something bad and not take any responsibility for how you make things work for you, regardless of how they turn out. And it's the neutral thinking that sets you free to just be what you ultimately want to be, which is stable, secure, happy. And with, the, with regards to the election, I think that diving into and, and highlighting the nuances of neutral thinking is critical because it's not just about the election. This is literally happening to you on a daily basis. You're navigating moments where you should be employing neutral thinking in order to be more centered and balanced and less emotionally volatile because where does the majority of our stress come from? Why do we, you know, trigger our body to produce that stress hormone that literally is destroying our body and causing health issues beyond anything that should be reasonable, uh, beyond reasonable levels, I guess is a better way to phrase it. It's because we're not managing our emotions very well, you know? Well, and I love, I love this idea of neutral thinking. I, I do actually practice it. I'm not perfect at it, but I've been practicing it since 2005. Yeah, I think the funny thing is, is that it, it comes from a combination of things. Like there are people who operate in really high stress environments, right? That could be elite athletes in trying to compete in a championship game with time constraints and trying to win with literally millions of people watching what they're doing, right? Like it's, it's a very high stress environment. It could be special forces and they have to go and raid a compound and, you know, like that is about as high stress as you're going to get life or death, right? Mm -hmm. You've got people who are in first responders who are entering into situations and that, that they that are unpredictable and volatile. 
And you've got, finally, I was going to say just people who are just in your daily life. I mean, you have interactions. It could, it, it feels small when you compare it to those other things, but you know, it's, interactions with your boss, a big, a key business meeting, a, a sales call that you're trying to land or a, a conversation with your spouse. I mean, there's these areas can all be really high stress. And the thing that I like about this idea is that it's literally a strategy that the best athletes and the best special forces people and stuff, this is one of the central ideas or frameworks that they use in order to be successful. And if it works for them, we should be able to adopt it as well to, mm-hmm. to improve our situations, given that ours are much less like maybe like risky or much less, you know, it's not as uh, dire. Extreme. It's not as dire. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could talk about this from a personal standpoint as an Olympic level athlete. I had those experiences where I had to get to the point where mentally I had to start telling myself certain things and it's not lies that you're telling yourself. It's just, you have to adopt certain thoughts and certain beliefs and you have to put them on repeat because mm-hmm. it's just too easy to fall into a negative thought pattern and a negative way of thinking. And then, of course, it's easy to have those negative conversations and to amplify this negative energy that automatically will drain your capability of performing optimally at any in any area of your life. That includes being like being a guy, for example, and you're like trying to go and get a girl and you're like, you want to show up and be the man and you have all this confidence, but you're sitting there going, I can't get a girl. I'm (laughs) never going to get a girl. Nobody likes me. Oh, yeah. Every girl wants to date that guy. You know what I mean? Like, no, you just got to go out there and you got to have confidence and you got to tell yourself these things. I'm a good guy. I I, I know what I want out of life. I'm going to treat a a person, a woman nicely. I can't, I haven't decided to buy the girl flowers. I'll write her poetry or whatever. Right. And you know, you just got to build yourself up and that puts you in a much better position to perform optimally in any area of your life. It's not just for sports. It's literally for anything, you know? Well, uh, here's what I would say. There's two things that you said there that stand out to me. One is you've got these thoughts in your head, like, oh, you know, she's not going to want to date me or these things. Well, the, the, the reality of life is that there's an internal monologue that's going on in each of our heads all the time. Like we are constantly talking to ourselves. That voice, like if you're not speaking to someone else, there's a good chance you're having a conversation with yourself. And that's how we understand ourselves is our inner thoughts are being spoken to us by, by us, right? For lack of a better yeah. description. And those thoughts are often negative. There's are like there's if you ask anybody, it doesn't matter how you go ask Tony Robbins, the most probably positive thinking guru in the world. And if you say, hey, what percentage of your thoughts do you think is negative self-talk? He'll be like 80 <laughs> percent. You know, like it's, it's just you know, and the difference is that he has a lot of practice behavior at dealing with that 80 percent and keeping it into a con- and putting it in, in his proper context. Right. This is important because you can't change the negativity that's happening outside in the world that you don't have influence over. And you can't, you can't turn off negative thoughts in your head. Like the, but what you can do is you can adopt strategies for dealing with those things that make you more likely to, to be able to navigate them successfully. And one of the key things that I think makes this st- stand out for me as a framework or as a strategy is that it just accepts that those things are what they are. It doesn't, it doesn't say, you know, you need like part of the reason why I love this approach is, is there's an act, they actually say positive thinking doesn't actually work for many people because positive thinking kind of requires you to trick yourself into feeling positive, even when you don't. Right. Mm. And then when something doesn't go right, that kind of like um, not a strong foundation that you built the positive thoughts on kind of just crumbles. And, and then you have to sort of p- put it all, try to put it all back together. Whereas neutral thinking just says, look, like at the end of the day, there's negative things that happen. There are positive things that happen. We're going to accept them. We're going to let these feelings come. We're going to deal with those feelings, but those feelings aren't going to dictate our behavior. What's going to dictate our behavior is what we, is as much as we can. We're just going to isolate the reality of the situation and we're going to move forward and we're, we're going to make an effort not to allow either the positives or the negatives to skew uh, how we're feeling about the current situation. Yeah. And that's a tough, I mean, I can go, there's so many places I want to go with that. 
you know, like even thinking about something like racism and slavery, it's like as a black man, it's really, really tough to listen to the conversation to the extent that it's been until recently. I mean, I feel a little bit differently about what I'm about to say because of the reality of the police brutality. It's been like, man, it's been really hard to just be like, okay, let's move on, guys and gals. Let's move on. Let's move forward. We are aware of what the past was and what was done to our people, but I'd like to move forward. So let's focus on, you know, what we want out of life. Let's focus on being best, the best that we could be and pushing forward and trying to do the best that we can, because if all we do is dwell on, hey, reparations and and make up for the past and all this other stuff, it, it's really tough to move forward. I think that that's definitely changed for me now because I'm going, oh, I kind of understand that it never stopped. I guess yeah. that's the problem with, with when we talk about racism now and and where I was miss what I was missing. And I said, okay, so where I'm living, I am isolated from and missing out on that. But my point in bringing that up is that just to be clear, I think that people, I think minorities and anybody that's been marginalized and women, the trans, lesbian, gays, and bisexual, transgender, and queer community, I feel like they fall in that category. I feel like there's a lot of groups that have, that have this right to feel, you know, not necessarily negative thinking, but like frustrated thinking like, hey, there needs to be accountability for the things that have been done. But even with that being said, I still believe that the way that you frame the neutral thinking is very important because if you get stuck in a mindset, that's my biggest concern is I'm like, I, okay, let's acknowledge the reality of, of what's in front of us. But what I don't want to do is get stuck there. Well, can I say something about this? Just to, not to cut you off, but I 100% think this leads to one of the first principles, what you're saying. And, and that is the reality of the situation. It is what it is, right? If you're in the Super Bowl and you're down by six and you've got a minute 30, that's the reality of the situation. Like you can't change and, it. That's what And it you're is. not saying it is what it is to downplay no, no. the thing. I'm just so I just want to yeah, clarify. It's not, it, is what yeah. it, it's not, it is what it should be. It is what it's not it like, is. oh, well, yeah. you're not saying, oh, well, That's you're right. saying, no, no, no. Let's look at it very clearly. Okay, this is what it is. Now, based on what it is and what the reality is, how are we going to navigate this as best that we can, regardless of how we feel, what do we need to do now? And let me reframe this even slightly differently. Not just okay. what do we need to do now? Like, here's the thing. The, the reality of the situation, it is whatever you interpret it to be, right? Based off of what information you have. This is, right. this is what you understand. Now, that's going to make you feel a certain way. You have to understand that the way you feel is not a critical component in what the behavior you need to make in order to, to improve the situation. It's, it's, a relevant, exactly. it's, a, it's a relevant data point. It's important to understand it. Your feelings are normal. They're natural. You might feel disgust. You might be offended. You might be angry. You might be hurt. But the right behavior does not have to be tied to the way you feel. And I think this is really important about neutral thinking. You have to accept that you cannot control your feelings in the moment. But you have to also keep in mind that the way you feel in the moment does not dictate your behavior right? We often get angry and then act on that anger, or we get scared and we act on that fear. And you can always come up with a counter example where like, if you're afraid and you don't act, it's going to be worse. I'm not trying to say that I think the action has to be based off of the reality of the situation. And sometimes it's going to be in alignment with your feelings. And sometimes it's not, you know, what it makes me think of John is in a, in a recent episode with Kirk Keller Halls. Yeah. I think that's the episode you told an anecdote about getting pulled over. I yeah. think this is the episode. You got pulled over yeah. by a police officer for speeding. And let's like just take break that down for, for two minutes. Like you are a black man getting pulled over by a police officer. You're by yourself. There's been tons of news stories. There's all the tons of examples of everything that's going to happen. So immediately as this is happening, you're going to feel a certain way, right? Like, and that could be it could be fear. It could be fear. It could be fear mixed with anger. Like if you don't think you did anything wrong, now you're now you're you're already upset about why you got pulled over. Whatever the emotions you're feeling, those are real feelings and those are legitimate and they are affecting you in the moment. But 
there's a certain behavior that's going to give you a good outcome and there's certain behaviors that are going to give you a bad outcome. And despite how you feel, you have to be able to behave in the way that's going to lead to the better outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the, the key thing. So in your case, you talked about how you did everything you were, he asked you to do. You were very calm. You were cooperative. At the end of it, you actually went out of your way to say, hey, I appreciate what you're doing and to literally make a behavior that didn't just benefit you in that particular situation, but hopefully benefited the next person in, the, in their sure. situation, right? Because you were thinking at that level, but, but the reason you were able to think at that level is because whether you, whether you called it neutral thinking or not, you had already made the decision about how you were going to behave and you did not allow your feelings to change that behavior. Does that make sense? Perfect. And I think that is a, is like a real world example about that we could take that and put it in other contexts. Like if you're talking with a friend who's, and you're a diehard, you know, Bernie Sanders, far left Democrat, and you find out that your friend voted for Trump, you're going to feel a certain way, right? But that, it, but you can decide now how you're going to behave in that conversation. You don't have to let those feelings dictate how you speak, right? You don't have to let your feelings dictate how that conversation goes. If you've already prepared for that, and decided on what your behavior is meant to be and, and, and is framed in productivity and positivity as opposed to, I don't know, whatever your feelings are in the moment. Well, I mean, when you have a conversation, what's the point of having a conversation if you're not actually trying to get somewhere? Just are you just, you don't know, just busy filling the room with hot air? I mean, like, really, what's the point? Hopefully the point is to actually get to a, get somewhere. In the conversation, otherwise, there really isn't any point in having that conversation. There's no point. And I mean, everybody says, oh, it's hard to have a political conversation. Why? Because we have differences. That's the exact reason why you should have that conversation, because that makes the conversation interesting. If everybody agreed, that's a pretty boring conversation. If everybody looked the same, it's a pretty boring looking world. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason why paintings have multiple colors. There's a reason why the rainbow has multiple colors there's a reason why people have different opinions we're all different you know it is to help us to better understand what it is we don't understand and the differences are the key to that so i like the idea that you're painting or the point that you're making which is and i and i and i go through this all the time recently i'll be straight up like i'm not a huge fan of donald trump i'm not yeah but I have a lot of really positive feelings about Donald Trump at the same time. And it's not and it's not because I like what he's done. It's because he's a human being. And I'm like, I'm looking for the, the other side of this cat. Like, I'm trying to understand why in the world is he saying what he's saying? I'm trying to understand something that doesn't make sense to me based on where I'm coming from, because I'm like, I got to get in the middle here. I said, this is, this guy is the president of the United States of America. This guy has a responsibility. He is the most influential person from a leadership position in our country and globally, really. And I'm like, dude, you have to root for this guy. Why? Because he's in the seat right now, you know? So I mean, to root against him is kind of like rooting against yourself. I'm like, uh, no. And right now in the middle of this election, as we're getting ready to vote or voting right now, it's funny. I drive around and, 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 and I'd be like, oh, you know, seeing all these people doing the thing. And then all of a sudden I see a Trump sticker on the car and immediately it's like, you know, I feel mm. that in me and I go, oh, that's not cool to yeah. myself. I go, that's not cool. I'm like, I don't know them. I have no idea who that person is. They could be my they could, I could literally go talk to them, never know anything about their political preference. And be like, oh, my gosh, you're awesome. And then I see their car and I see that bumper sticker and go, ew, really? And I'm like, that, all of a sudden, all that good stuff goes thrown away. That's not right. I said, I got to be able to. And this is what, where the neutral thinking comes in. And I've been practicing this for so many years that I'm able to get back to this place where, uh, where it is hard to be. If you're not in this neutral thinking place where it's like, dude, you can see it and be like, I don't like that. But doesn't mean you got to get all up in arms about it. And I go, oh, I see the Trump thing. And you know what I see now? I think now I'm like, goodness, I wish I could have a conversation with that person so I could better understand. That's what neutral thinking does to you. When you do it enough, it's like you are confident in where you are because you're not going to go positive and negative. You're like, look, I may not like it, but it doesn't matter. Me not liking it doesn't change blibbity blip, blah, blip. It doesn't change anything, okay? (laughs) I wanted to say some. Words there. Choice words there. <laughs> it doesn't change anything, but neutral thinking changes everything. 
because it brings us together. It gives us an opportunity to be different and still be together. And well, that's what we need to fight for. We don't need to worry about Donald Trump or Biden winning. Those guys aren't going to change anything more so than we would if we got together and just listened to each other and embrace our differences well, and, and move forward with the idea of let's just make our country better, you know, or, you said, and our world better. You, you know? said something right in the beginning of like, it's really hard to have political conversations because we have different opinions. And what's funny about you, what you're, what you got to right here is it makes me think like the reason political conversations are difficult is because we have passionate feelings and like, and we allow those feelings to dictate the conversation. And when the feelings start dictating the conversation, the results go haywire, right? Like they go, they get extreme and they get crazy. And I, you know, consider it something that I've worked on for a long time to always be conscious of, are my feelings dictating what I'm saying right now? Or am I saying what I really thoughtfully believe? Or am I saying something because it represents my feeling? And, you know, that could be to make maybe, you know, if you're, if you're acting off feelings, you're, you're, there's a good chance you're either trying to make somebody else upset. You're trying to, you're trying to make your point across regardless of what the other, how the other person feels you're, you're expressing something in a more extreme way than it needs to be expressed. And all these are just things that sort of, that happen naturally. And I really believe that this, so this is one of the main principles of neutral thinking is literally being ultra aware of your feelings and separating feelings from behaviors. You have to be able to do that to make the best decisions and, and move forward. I want to use the sports analogies because I really believe this. If you're in a stressful situation, you are going to feel it. You are going, if you've been failing repeatedly, you have to be able to let those go and behave in the way that's going to lead to success in the future. And what were you going to say, John? Well, I was just going to say, in most conversations now, like what I'm always asking myself is, well, conversations where there's a high probability of confrontation or disagreement. Yeah. I, I say to myself as, as, as it's unfolding or as I get ready to go into one of those conversations and you know when it's going to happen. Don't, mm -hmm. don't pretend like you don't. So it's like I asked myself, I sort of asked myself this question and it literally had a mind, I had a mindset shift in 2005, my last year in college. And that's when everything turned around for me and I blew up as a runner in a good way. I had asked myself this question at any moment, given moment throughout my entire last year in college, when I was going to interactions with all kinds of people, I'm like, day to day, UCLA, we're just, you know, you're meeting with all kinds of people. I'd ask myself, what do I need to, to say? What do I need to say to achieve a desirable outcome in this conversation? Because ultimately, and remember, again, I'm saying those com conversations where you know, there's going to be some type of a disagreement or confrontation. So it, uh, instead of being emotional, I was literally doing what you were saying. It was an came naturally to me. It was just something where I was always seeking the answer to how I was performing in life and how I was feeling. So I didn't read it in a book. I just discovered it through the work, doing the work myself. But I got to the point where I was literally observing my feelings in the middle of a conversation where I would typically get emotional and respond with the emotion, not with the, the logic. Yeah. And I'd go, okay, that bothers me, but that's irrelevant that it bothers me. What's important is what do I want to do here? Do I want to continue to have this bother me long after this conversation has happened to create more tension between mm -hmm. me and this person to now have to deal with this thing on top of all this other stuff? Or do I want to fix this right here and right now? Okay. And I said, I want to fix this right here right now because I want to deal with other stuff. My whole saying is I want new problems. Yeah, I, I don't want, I don't want old yeah. problems. I, I want new problems. So this is, this, this is a problem that I want to become a problem that's gone. I want to solve it right now. So I said, okay, what do I need to say in this situation right now to achieve the desirable outcome? So I would begin to listen to the other person and I would begin to understand that ultimately what I'm seeking is peace and understanding. So I would speak with the intention and the goal of creating peace. So I'd humble myself. So in a yep. situation where I'm upset, I mean, like, you know what? You're right. Well, from their perspective, and yeah. I'm not agreeing to agree. I'm going, I hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I actually mean it. And you got to tell you, all of a sudden, that person, you could see them dropping the, the walls. You could see them 
throwing down the guns. You know what I mean? Like they're literally disarming themselves in the middle of the conversation. And by the end, they think you are somebody from another world because they're like, I don't know how we got to this point, but that was amazing. And then they're enamored with you. Why? Because you chose not to go with your emotion to a place that was going to only take you to a place you wouldn't want to be anyway. So why do we go there? It's because we're not staying neutral and just paying attention to the fact that ultimately we just want peace. Well, you just what you just described goes back way to a podcast we did a long time ago called Having Tough Conversations. And it's a strategy of pacing and leading, right? It's like listening and meeting people where they're at and understanding what they really want to convey. And once you can meet somebody there, all of a sudden, they can go on a journey with you to, to some place where you both want to get to, right? And, it's and so that's hilarious. the point of a conversation, Absolutely. by the way. That's it's, what you're trying to do, but you forget because we get caught up in this thing. I love this quote. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Most people get caught up in wanting to be right and they're miserable. And I'm like, you don't actually want to be right. You actually want to be happy. You just think you, you need to be right and, and that that's going to lead to happiness. And you're absolutely almost 99.9% of the time, you're wrong. It's funny you say that because I'm watching, you know, I live in Japan, so I don't, and I mean, I guess in this time of coronavirus and, and social distance, people aren't meeting each other the way they used to. But I feel like my communication with many people has been social media or it's via some digital means of communication. And what I see is what you just described. I feel like there's somebody puts a comment or, or, or a post that is factual and true, and somebody will reply challenging it because they've taken the side on a team. And if, if one person is posting it, that means that they're, they have to be on the other side of it. It's like the Pavlovian response sort of thing. Yeah. It's like this person posted, so I'm going to comment and refute it even, if it, even if there's nothing to refute. And, I, and part of that is what's driving my concerns about what's coming up, right? There's a lot of ways this election can go, and there's very few that calm everything down. A lot of the possible outcomes are going to create an escalation in terms of stress and anxiety within a large population of the people in the U.S. So, so this, just real first point, and we'll come back to some more principles, but it's like separating the feelings from the behavior. It's, it's just a critical component of neutral thinking, and it's, and it's foundational to being able to, to execute it well. What were you going to say, John? I don't remember. Okay, so a second one. And this is also, it seems so straightforward, but it's really, really important is the idea that the past is the past and whatever happened in the past doesn't dictate what's going to happen in the future. And I think we see examples of this all over the place, but we tend to define people by what they've done in the past and then sort of limit their possibilities to change or, or limit what we believe we can accomplish based off of what has happened. And I, and I go back to something like running, you know, you can lose a race to somebody 10 times in a row. If you've changed and you've improved and you've done the work, you should be able to enter the race, understanding that the past is what it was, but that the situation is different and that you have a new opportunity today. And that just because somebody beats you many times in the past does not mean that they will do so again in the future. And this mm -hmm. is something that's, that elite athletes train their minds to think about. And I think we can do the same thing. Just because you've had an interaction that didn't go well with somebody talking politics or something like this in the past does not mean that the next conversation needs to be this way. It does not mean that they can't change their opinion or meet you halfway on something. What it does mean though, is maybe that, you have to change your behaviors to get to that outcome. Like you, you, yeah. like the way you handled things in the past is probably going to lead to the same outcome. But that doesn't mean that with some changes on either of on either person's part, we can't we can't get to somewhere better. And I just think this one is also really important because it's it's so easy to like write somebody off to say, like, oh, like that that person is a lost cause, or they are, you know they're a bad person because they have a Trump sticker on their, on, on their thing. And I've had bad interactions with people with Trump stickers or something like this. Right. Like, right. And, and those kind of things are, it's separating what you're aiming to do in the future versus what has happened in the past is, you know, maybe it's not applicable in every situation, but it's, it's something to keep in mind as you're approaching an interaction with somebody that 
it's not a hard and fast rule that people can't change or that situations can't change. Like they can, but they require us to strategically change our behavior in order to get the different outcome. And that's exactly what I think is required now. You know, when we look at what's going on, it's we're giving away our power. This is what I wanted to say earlier. When we look at, when we get too upset yes. about an outcome that we did not desire, it, we act as if like everything hinges upon that thing. And we have nothing else to contribute to the situation. And specifically, when it comes to the president of the United States of America, I mean, they're an influential leader. I mean, they're, I mean, in many ways, they, they have the opportunity to be very inspirational and to motivate people to do the right thing and to do things good or bad, I guess, you know, obviously it can go either way, good or bad, meaning like maybe it's something that's hurting people or helping people, helping your fellow countrymen or hurting your fellow countrymen. Yep. That's what I think that particular person, I think that's their greatest role and influence, to be honest with you. Beyond anything else, it's just how do they make us feel? Do they make us feel proud or, or embarrassed? You know, do they make us feel safe or not? And but outside of, you know, the the inspirational or influential role that person in that position plays, I think the really cool thing to recognize is that it never really has mattered more that role, that person in that role, more than what the people can do for one another. We are a country of communities. We are a country of families, you know, and we're a, a world of communities and families. And I, I just feel like we're disregarding and overlooking our, our own power and influence. Like, why not vote for ourselves for a change? You know, like vote for ourselves. Like, we have the ability to do so much for this country Actually, we have the ability to do more for this country and this world than any one president. They're just one person. Got to be honest with you, you know. And so I think that giving all that power away is disempowering us, all of us. Like we have the ability to do so much, no matter what happens in this election, no matter how long it takes to get the results. And that's, again, why I like the idea of neutral think. It's like, man, root for Trump. If you're for Trump, good for you. I'm happy for you. If you're for Biden, good for you. I'm happy for you. If your guy wins, great. If he doesn't, that's still great. Why? Because you still got to live your life. You still got to be responsible. You still got to fight for peace and happiness in your own community, not just hoping this country gets its bleep, 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 bleep together. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, like there is a lot of work to do. This is just one piece to the bigger picture. And I mean, I really hope that piece, you know, isn't like oil and water. I mean, I hope it, you know, is nice and it doesn't mess it up. But at the same time, whatever it is, we just got to pivot and adjust and buckle down and focus on ultimately what we want. And the neutral thinking allows you to actually see past the BS and take responsibility for what it is that you can actually still have an impact on, you know? So this is 100% something I've, I'm glad you brought it up because I don't even, I guess I'm, I'm not sure how I'm going to express clearly what I feel, but I personally don't believe that the president of the United States has that much influence on our daily lives. Like there's a lot of people who want to say that, you know, Trump is, it's, is responsible for 200,000 people dying of coronavirus. I don't really look at it that way personally. And the reason is, is that I don't think Donald Trump affects how I live my life. Like he, whether he wears a mask or not, does not, not really change how I live my life. It affects some people for sure. Like I'm not saying it doesn't have any effect, but the, the extent of the effect is overblown. I think we give our leaders in some cases way too much credit and way too much blame on certain things. Now, the reason I, when I say all that is like, ultimately we're all making decisions. We're focusing on the things that we can control. Like the facts on the ground you're in Irvine, California, like you're going to have decisions you have to make in your daily life about where you go and what you do and how you interact with people in, in there. Like it doesn't have like foreign policy has very little impact on you. Like Trump has a lot of influence on foreign policy, the military. He has influence on, you know, overall probably economic agenda, you know, but, but when you're getting into our daily lives, what we sort of, for some reason, want to believe that 
that all these things that are happening at, at these other levels by these other organizations are directly impacting us. But that impact is usually pretty small. And it's still up to us to make good decisions and to focus on what we actually can control in our situation, given the environment that we're in. And I think this is another, it's actually a tenet. It's one of the main points about about the, the concept of neutral thinking that, that Trevor Moad and Russell Wilson and these guys focus on is like in your current situation, if you're, if you're getting on the line for the final of a 1500 meters in the Olympics, you know, Donald Trump wearing a mask has no impact on how you're going to, how you're going to race. Right. And, and that's obvious. Everybody's going to laugh at that, but why does it, but why does Donald Trump not wearing a mask affect how, what you do when you go to the supermarket? Like there's like the, the two situations are, are way more equivalent when you're talking about how much influence Donald Trump has on your behavior. Right. So I think there's this, this focus on what can your local community, what you brought up, what you can actually do, who you're actually interacting with, what the specific behaviors you're doing. There's so much you have control over in terms of your behaviors in that moment that, that actually, if you really separate the feelings and you separate the worries and you, and you, and you identify the anxiety and the stress and you set it aside that you can be incredibly productive about. And if things aren't going your way on those big picture things, being super distraught about it is, is maybe a normal feeling, but you can separate that and start saying, okay, well, what do I need to be doing? Is it, is it gaining more community action? Is it getting more involved in certain, in certain organizations? Is it donating money to certain other causes? What is the behavior that's going to move you forward to what you, to the outcome you actually want if it's not, if it's not there. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it goes back to separating the feelings and the behaviors, right? Your feelings are what they are and you have to understand them and then push them off to the side and make the right, the right decision. I think one of the key principles that you had highlighted, I'm just double checking some of the notes that we had sure, here. Sure. And, and, and I think you may have briefly touched on this, but I just want to revisit it because it also, again, kind of highlights the importance of, you know, all, all of us feeling empowered right now and, and, and empowered to, you know, make strides in terms of doing things that are going to build our country and, and our world in a way that we, we say we desire, right? Building on these areas in, in society where racism has been allowed to persist, right? Making these types of changes, being more conscientious about supporting minorities and black businesses right now and, and going forward because they've been ignored and, and under supported. So when it comes to community, when it comes to looking at how we feel or, about the election one way or the other in terms of the outcome, when it is when it is decided at some point, it's got to be figured out, reducing negativity and where you're at, who and what you surround yourself with, but whether it's on social media or, 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 or other people, I think that that's like absolutely paramount. Like if you spend a lot of time on social media after this election, I guarantee you because it's biased, because it's, it's people only say what they want to say, not what the full truth is. They're trying to paint a picture and everybody's got their, the picture that they want to paint. That's going to drive you insane. From a mental health standpoint, it's absolutely detrimental to your mental health and emotional health. And it will affect your relationships. It'll affect your ability to work. It'll affect your ability to see things more clearly. It's just not healthy. And if you want to actually see the full truth of the situation, I highly recommend reducing the amount of negativity that's in your life, you know, especially going into and immediately after the election. It's not going to be positive online. Wherever the positivity is, i.e. this podcast, <laughs> then <laughs> you, you should probably hang out there for a while because that's where you'll have reprieve from the negativity that will persist on the internet simply because... It's what gets people's attention. The, the internet and social media, you know, is, is designed to feed what, what people are clicking on. You know, it's going to feed you what you're clicking on. It's going to feed you what's most popular and what's trending, not what's healthiest for your mind. You know, so don't get caught up in that stuff because you're going to miss out on the thing that you actually desire, which is the ability to see things clearly, the ability to move forward positively. I would, I think one of the great things about the idea of neutral thinking is it makes it very easy to see in your mind what neutral is, right? There's going, there's, there's positive going forward, there's negative going backwards, and then there's neutral. And the reality of like the negative, the negativity in your life 
if you want to maintain a neutral mind in order so that you're not being overwhelmed with the feelings that are happening and the anxiety and the stress, and you want to be able to analyze things clearly and come up with good decisions, all of the negativity that you're exposing yourself to in your environment is going to affect your ability to stay neutral. You're going to have to have, you're going to have to offset with, with positivity at best, but it's not even, it's not even clear that it's totally possible to do that. Right. It's really, really difficult. And one of the key things here that I think is really, it's really, it's a general known fact of psychology that we are much more attuned to there's a concept called loss aversion. We're much more attuned to the fear of losing something than we are to the opportunity to gain something. Right. Mm -hmm. So the result of that is that the, what's the right way to put it? When something negative is coming, when something negative is approaching, we are very highly attuned to it. When we are, when we have an opportunity to get something positive, like we want it, we, we look forward to it. But if there's something that's, if, if you have an opportunity to gain something and an opportunity to lose something, we are going to just naturally be so focused on what we're going to lose. And this, it, that, that, that concept applies to negativity in general. Negativity, and this is funny because I, I've been reading mm-hmm. Trevor Moad's stuff and, and he quotes some researchers and things that I don't have handy, but he says that a negative comment can have between four and seven times the, the effect. It can be four, four to seven times stronger of the way it affects you than a positive comment. And so, you know, if I say to you, John, I like your shirt, you're going to be like, oh, cool. Thanks. That's great. You're going to feel good for a moment. If I say to you, John, I don't like your shirt. That's going to affect you a lot more than than me saying I like your shirt. And it's not because I had any stronger opinion either way. It's just because that's the way we interpret negative comments. Well, yeah. And I would say to you that I don't like your shirt. (laughs) (laughs) With my Gobi Moore hoodie. I love your shirt. It's a Gobi Moore hoodie. I'm jealous. Look at that. So here's the key thing. If we take this number four to seven times, it feels natural. It feels right to me because there's been other studies about other areas around, you know, how we associate loss and other things, the strength of, of a negative versus a positive. That means that every time somebody we're in conversations that are reinforcing a negative opinion, or it could be, you know, negative self-talk. I'm not good enough. I'm not I'm no good at doing this thing. I'm bad at X, Y, Z things, right? Like remembering names is something that I always think of. Cause I used to always say that whenever people would introduce themselves, I'd say, Oh, nice to meet you. Just so you know, I'm really bad at remembering names. All I was doing is a reinforcing that I'm not good at something. And B, I was just making an excuse for why I was going to forget their name. Right? Like, <laughs> and yeah, the you're like, is, basically in five minutes, I'm going to forget your name and ask. Yeah, it's again. like, but it's a terrible process because it's like a self-fulfilling process prophecy, right? So it's just one of these little things that over time I've, I've learned, I don't say it anymore. And I make an effort to do other little tricks to sort of remember names and convince myself that I, I am at least average at it. Like I'm no, I'm no worse than anybody else probably. So uh, totally random aside, but the negative comments have a stronger effect. Now here's the other thing. And this is where I think Trevor Moad's work really connects with me. And, and is that what you think and what you say have dramatically different effects on how you on how you feel. His research or or the research that he cites says that if you think a negative thought, like let's just say the negative thought is I I'm unhappy uh, in, with this lockdown. That's a, that negative thought will have some minor effect on you because it's a negative thought. But if you voice that out loud to other people, it can have literally up to a ten times stronger effect on how you feel because you voiced it out loud. And this creates a weird problem for us because on the one hand, it's hard to not talk about, say negative things in general. It's not hard to not, to have, to not voice negative thoughts. But on the other hand, if you're building a habit of voicing negative thoughts repeatedly, especially the same types of negative thoughts, those have a compounding effect on how on how they define how we feel about ourselves right so so one of the main tenets that he practices with his elite athletes with special forces agents with other people is don't practice putting negativity into the world right it's going to happen you're not going to be able to avoid it 100% but don't make it a habit make the habit if you're if you have a negative thing try to express it in a productive neutral way it doesn't have to be positive but it's like you know, there's a difference between I suck at doing something and saying, 
I need to get better at doing something, right? There's a different framing. That framing literally matters in how you are able to maintain your new sort of this, this sort of neutral mindset in order to, to make good decisions. Yeah. There's certain reasons why I repeat things even internally within our own team all the time as, you know, we're going to make it, we're, we're going to be the most talked about brand, you know, in so many years or whatever. It's like, you know, I say it not to be arrogant. I say it because I'm like, I would rather us focus on that than the opposite of that. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, whatever happens, happens. But I'm like, I, I feel like we're uplifting ourselves to a higher possibility and ultimately increasing the likelihood that we'll, we'll have great success in some regard versus like, well, I don't know, everybody, you know, typically this is what, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, everybody kind of knows that we already know the bad parts. Let's talk about the part that gets us excited and uplifts and raises our energy levels and stuff like that. And so that's where I think that even as a kid, why I would always be like, I'm going to be the greatest miler of all time, you know, and people are like, what? You don't even run. And I'm like, I know, but I'm still going to be the greatest miler of all time. And, and then look what happened. Well, this it's, is I, I, I feel like I spoke it to existence, whatever it is that I wanted. And and, and of course, it made it easy to do the work when I was suffering, you know, to keep going when I was suffering, when things weren't working out. Why? Because I made I planted too many seeds. That those you know, positive seeds and, and I lived in a forest of positivity, you know? And here's the thing, like you have this positive goal that you're going after, right? And this is one of the key things. It's defining, like, like neutral thinking is not about not having goals or not being positive or not being negative. It's about being productive in the moment. That's what it's about, right? It's about making things better in, in the moment and making good decisions in high stress, in high stress environments. And the reality is you made a big goal, but the other thing you did, and this is a strategy that comes out of this is your feelings, your goals don't dictate your success. They're there. They contribute. They're part of it. But the, what makes the right, what, what makes the uh, largest impact on your success are your behaviors. It's your mentality, maintaining the right mentality, a strong approach to how you're thinking about things and how you're, how you're analyzing them and how you're, you know, maybe staying positive or neutral, whatever, and, and staying productive. It's your behaviors, doing the right things repeatedly over and over and over again. And then there's a component of it, which is your language. Because if your language is consistently negative, that is going to be it's going to hold you back. It's a self-created obstacle to, to achieving what you want to achieve. You said, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the greatest miler in the world. If you woke up every day saying, I'm going to train for the mile, but I'm, going to, I'm never going to be great. You never would have been great, right? There's a difference between what you put out in the world and what you speak. And, and you know, whether you can say speak it into existence, it's, it's <laughs> the funny quote that I like is that there's no evidence that positive thinking works, but there's a lot of evidence that negative thinking does work. <laughs> So, like, <laughs> so, right, like, right. You know, at the end of the day, you know, putting your positive thoughts out there is great, but the reality of it, even your positive thoughts that you're putting out there, are are not necessarily what needs to be dictating your behavior. Your behavior needs to be dictated on the situation you're in and what you're trying to achieve. Right. So, strategies. A couple things here. We've talked about some of these already, but here's the really fundamental one. We just talked about it right now. You're making a goal. You want to be the best miler in the world. You want to change something in your community. You want to become the CEO of your company. You want to do some whatever. You want to be the biggest brand in, in the business. Identify that goal and set it out there. Put it out there and make it clear. But then identify the qualities that you need to maintain as a person or as a business or as an organization in order to achieve it. Because the fundamental thing is you, you, your behaviors are ultimately going to dictate what you achieve. So define what those behaviors need to be. And define the actual behavior, defining the behaviors will then allow you to judge yourself against what you've already like decided you need to be able to do in order to achieve it, right? Mm -hmm. And as a little side note on those, once you've identified what those qualities are, you know, if it's to be the best miler in the world, it's going to be running every day. It's going to be doing all this, all the extra work on the side. It's all the, all the core work, all the getting your sleep, eat proper nutrition. You can define these qualities that you know we all know what they are but then put those reminders all over the place wherever it's going to trigger you to make good decisions like put it out there in the world make it a concrete thing put it on the wall put it on the bathroom mirror you know like we like to say with go be more 
tie the concept of what you're trying to do to, to your shirt. And whenever you see the shirt, you're going to be reminded of what you're trying to achieve, right? The more you make these things physical and part of your environment, the more you're likely to follow through with them. Another strategy we've, we talked about it in the beginning, but this one is really critical is you can decide now how you're going to act when a, a, when a result happens, you can make the decision. And uh, part of the, what made me want to have this, this conversation with you today, John, is we've had those conversations about what's going to happen after the election, like how, what's going to happen to, you know, everything. We don't know, but we can make a decision now about how we're going to act and speak with other people, regardless of what the outcome is. And you can make that decision about how you're going to act and speak regardless of the outcome or in preparation for the situation in every aspect of your life. If the next time you're going to get in an argument with your spouse, you can decide now how you're going to handle it. And you can hold yourself to those standards of behavior, regardless of how the feelings, how you feel in the moment. And it's so powerful to think this way because it frees you from, from your feelings, to be honest. Like it frees you from the adrenaline rush in the moment or the, the tunnel vision that you feel when you're getting really angry, right? It's, it allows you to take a step back and say, no, I've already decided that this is how I'm going to handle this situation. And I'm going to, I'm, and that's how, what I'm going to do. Just to touch on that too, really yeah, quickly. I mean, it's kind of cool because I keep, it's funny how certain people somehow start to become synonymous with certain words. Mebka Flesky for me, like is synonymous with consistency. Michael Jordan is synonymous with like greatness, like the greatest. Mm-hmm. And then Ilya Kipchoge has for me because i've listened to a lot of his interviews like he did this really really beautiful well-written beautifully delivered talk at oxford really intimate like i think a couple years ago and he talked about throughout his talk the thing that stood out to me the most was the, the word preparation right and 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 that's the thing that for me when you say decide how you're going to handle something that you already know is going to come up in your life there's certain types of things that repeat themselves in some way, shape or form in your life. And it's like, make the decision earlier rather than in the moment on how you're going to handle that moment, i.e. being a black man being pulled over by the police. Like, absolutely. You're going to experience it more likely than not. You will experience it and you're going to have feelings about it. And if you don't make the decision on how you're going to handle that thing, how people in your life need to be prepared to help you handle that thing in terms of like letting him know this is going down. Maybe you have a whole strategy. I don't know. But the better prepared you are for that, the better it's going to go, you know, regardless of how where that cop is as a human being. You can't determine that, but you have a lot of control over you. And you can prepare for the chance that the cop is nice and you can prepare for the chance that the cop is not nice and you can prepare for the chance that the cop is is having a bad day you can you can think these things through and plan the right behaviors which are probably always going to be mostly the same right like it's it's going to yeah. be respectful it's going to be not having a tone of voice that's going to trigger him it's going to be it's going to be not asking or 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 not being overly pushy and just and just you know offering up your without a lot of complaining all the these goal little, the goal is to get home that's it that's you it know what i mean like think about the outcome that you desire like i said what do i need to do or what do i need to say t- to achieve a desirable outcome because guess what i'm assuming that just like you that cop just wants to get home <laughs> that's right that's 100 percent. i, I think know? that's the best but assumption. y'all coming yep. at each other like hey you know what? Then guess what? Y'all going to get what you're asking for, you know? So seek out, prepare, and remember what the goal is. And I know? will say the last thing is, I 100% agree with all this. And the last strategy that I just have is, again, I think it's something we've already said. It's focusing on what you know and not what you fear could happen. You know, like if you're in the 1500, I, I like to put things in the running reference because it just makes sense to me. But then you can branch it off. If you walk in, if you toe the line, afraid of how embarrassing it's going to be if you don't run a good race you're going to run a bad race if you told if you walk into the business meeting going to give your presentation and all you're thinking about is how afraid you are it's good how bad it's going to be if they don't accept your proposal you're probably not going to give a good proposal the fundamental thing is 
like you, what you know and what you have control over is how you do the thing you're setting out to do. And, you know, the fear about what could happen is normal, but, but it's recognizing that what it is, it recognizing it for what it is. And, and, and consciously practicing the act of moving it to the side and not allowing it to dictate what you're doing in the moment. I think that is fundamentally a strategy that we can apply everywhere. Right. And I just, I mean, these are small strategies. They're, they're not like, they're not, I look at these and I think there's nothing like overly mind blowing about them, but sometimes we just need to be reminded right at the end of the day. And, and I think that they're natural outcomes of, of this approach of neutral thinking and and the reality is for me is that I do think neutral thinking is something I was, I was thinking about wanting to do a podcast about for a long time because it just applies to everything, right? It, 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 to every aspect of our life. But right now, I feel like with the election coming up, more than ever, I think we need to actively employ a strategy to get through the next few weeks or months. Because my prediction is that the next few weeks or months are going to be I think there's so many people looking at the election as finally there will be, well, we'll do the election and then we can like move on. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is we're going to do Tuesday and we're going to continue in a high stress environment for quite some time. And, and we need a way to deal with that or else it's going to make everything worse. We put too much emphasis on any given moment, forgetting that, wait a minute, there's all these other moments as well. You know, what I think about the most in my life experience, wholeheartedly pursuing and literally destroying myself to become the best runner that I could possibly be under the circumstances that I was growing up in and living in, in terms of just like the journey that I was, I've been on, you know, or I was on in that wholeheartedly in that pursuit and only to realize that things didn't work out the way that I had imagined. And having to answer the question of like, what did it all really mean then if I didn't win the Olympic gold medal, if I didn't break the world record? Yeah, I got close with a lot of those things. I fought, I beat a lot of Olympic athletes that did win medals. I, I was so damn close, you know, but in my mind, I was like all or nothing. Like, hey, man, I'm either the best in the world, the best has ever done it, blah, 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 or I'm a loser, you know? And then I sit there and I go, wow, Really? Like years later, as I've gotten older, right? As a kid, you're young and dumb. And then you get older and you go, well, that's silly. Like, what about the rest of your life? What about that whole journey? What about all those people that you met in all those different countries? What about all those fans? Like, really? All those people that you inspired, everybody that saw you from the beginning, that believed that you couldn't do it. And then when they saw that you did, they said, thank goodness you never gave up, John. Really? I'm a loser? Really? No. We got to look at all this stuff and say the whole journey, man, like everything that we're going through, it's for all of it. It's not just, you know, the end result. It's, we, we are not fighting and living in this country simply for like the hope that some president will come along and make everything better. That will never happen. That'll never happen. So we can't hang our hat on that now, especially at a pivotal moment when everybody's awake. This is probably the first time in this country's history where everybody's awake. Everybody, every group, the ups and the downs, the lefts and the rights. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's awake right now. So what in the world are we really talking about? This is the moment when November 3rd. Yeah, let's just get whatever bum's going to be in that seat. I, I, I'm going to call him a bum. <laughs> you know, whatever bum's going to be in the seat because they're not going to do anything but sit there. Our job is to recognize that we are the leaders of this country, not the president, not the people in political office. We're in the mess that we're in because we relied on them for too long and we need to stop doing that. You know what I'm saying? So we need to wake up and realize that we are the greatest part of this country and we are the greatest part of this world. So if we really want to make a difference, we really want things to be different. This this election going forward, then we need to be different. And it's not going to stop at this election. It's going to be an ongoing thing. We're going to have to keep doing it and we're going to have to keep making the right decisions and we're going to have to keep doing the right behaviors and we're going to have to build it into our just our the way we live our lives so that the incremental progress just keeps moving us to where we need to get to. Right. And we got to and 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 we're going to have to do it together. So I'm going to sign off and 
for me and say to everybody listening, you know, I hope that you voted. I don't care who you voted for. I really don't. I hope what I, what, what I matters more to me and what I care more about is how you approach interacting with everybody else in this time coming up, because I think it's going to make a bigger difference than whatever name was checked on a ballot. So I'll tell y'all who I voted for. I voted for love. I wrote it in. I voted for love for president. So I hope y'all stay safe, love each other. The greatest thing you could do in this world and your life ever is just love the person in front of you. And I'm not just talking about the person next to you. I'm talking about the person in the mirror. Love yourself. You know, love yourself. See your own greatness. You matter. Don't give all your power away. Let's all go be more, you guys, and stay safe out there and do not make those irrational decisions based on the outcome. We're better than that. That's right. Thanks, John. Thank you, Brian. Hey, everybody. I hope you all could take something from that conversation. Again, my email is brian at gobemore.co if you want to share your thoughts with us. Thank you to Michelle at Creatives Collective Marketing for assistance with editing and show notes. Our next episode is a beautiful conversation with singer-songwriter Emmy Lentino that dives into music, loss, and chasing our dreams. Subscribe so you don't miss it. Lastly, if you enjoyed the pod, please help us out by giving us a review on iTunes. It makes a big difference, and to make it really easy, I put a link to the reviews at the top of the show notes. For all of us at Go Be More, we are what the world is chasing, and we hope this podcast helps you become what the world is chasing too. Oh,